Welcome to the Game Notes Podcast, a Utah Jazz podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. That's Tony Jones. The Utah Jazz get blown out in game one in overtime. You have 20 points in overtime, Tony. 20 points in a five-minute span, but I guess the way defense was played in game one, that's not that surprising. They lose 135 to 125 in overtime, game one to the Denver Nuggets. Donovan Mitchell gets a franchise playoff record. 57 points and Tony I want to start with him because obviously you set a franchise playoff record you see a you set a a career record with scoring it's going to be your best game but I don't even want to talk about the result of it the process in which Donovan Mitchell went off in this game I thought was his best game he's ever played because he just seemed to make the right decision every single time other than the eight second violation. Yeah, he made the right decision every time you know I just said this on the radio hit he's He's a noticeably better basketball player right now than he was in March. Um, You know, it seems like the game has slowed down for him. He's making terrific reads. His shooting is, 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 is on point. Uh, He's figuring out how to get into the lane and draw fouls playing at all three levels uh, offensively. He's just been really terrific uh, in the bubble and, you know, he carried the, the Jazz and gave him a chance to win on Monday. Uh, he did the same thing uh, last Saturday with Denver. Uh, and that game went to, uh, went to overtime extras as well. So, you know, Donovan's really, uh, he's looked good. He's, he's, he's been a really, really good uh, player in the bubble. I think defense was the most notable thing in that game because there wasn't much played. I thought Denver's approach to defense was horrendous. I thought Utah's approach to Denver to defending Denver was horrendous. Like I get Rudy plays a lot of drop coverage. I get that Rudy is there to protect the paint, but you cannot let Jamal Murray come off these picks cleanly like this. Like I just don't believe it. I had someone on Twitter, uh, not a jazz fan hit me with Rudy's unplayable in this series to which I was like, all right, let's relax. Okay. Rudy's very playable in the series. I actually thought he did a pretty good job on Jokic for uh, the second half of that game. But I think because Jamal Murray's not really a point guard, Tony, right? Like, he he's a combo guard, he's a scorer, but he's not really a point guard. I don't think he's particularly that strong with the ball. I actually think that they need to be aggressive in how they defend the pick and roll. They need to blitz it a lot more. They need to try to force Jamal Murray to make plays. It just can't go to Nikola Jokic right away as that first, you know, kind of release valve. And so I do think the Jazz need to need to change their approach to the defensive end of the floor um, with with – with at least that strategy with Jamal Murray, am I wrong on this? Like, where what is your viewpoint on how the Jazz approach that? Well, I said actually the same thing that you're just saying right now. I mean, I would blitz Murray coming off the screen. I would obviously uh, approach the first rotation, which would be the Jokic, and force the second and third rotations. There's going to be an open shooter, but the open shooter is going to be Torrey Craig. Then at that point, if you're losing because Torrey Craig's hit eight three pointers then you're just going to lose the basketball game. Right. The other thing is you don't have to do this for 48 minutes. You right. Know? Right. You play the pick and roll how you play the pick and roll the first five minutes, the first 43 minutes of the game. And then in the last five minutes, you make somebody else beat you. The Jazz allowed Jamal Murray to beat them, and he's beaten them three times this year. He beat them once down in Utah. He beat them in the bubble during the uh, double overtime game, and he beat them uh, in, in game one. You know, So it's time to get the ball out of his hands, 
get the ball out of Nikola Jokic's hands and make Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig be the guys that have to beat you. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I just think like yeah, if Torrey Craig hits eight threes a game, then that's the fate of the world, right? Like that's just what that's what's gonna happen. I don't even hate the idea of like, hey, Michael Porter Jr. has to beat us. Yes, he's very talented. Yes, he's a good scorer. But if it's not Jokic and it's not Murray, I can live with that as well because I actually is gonna keep Porter on the court more, which they attacked defensively as much as they could. Right. And the Nuggets have, that's the conundrum that the Nuggets have, right? Like, okay, we have to guard Donovan Mitchell. So the only way that we can have a chance of guarding Donovan Mitchell without Gary Harris on the floor is we have to have Torrey Craig on the floor. Well, that means if you're the Jazz, Torrey Craig is on the floor. Make him take the shot. Right. If Mike Malone says, hey, we're going to put Michael Porter Jr. on the floor because we need some offense, then you go at Michael Porter Jr. because he's not a defender at all. That's the conundrum that the, maybe the Jazz are able to exploit it a little bit more uh, once they get Mike Conley back. But that's what you have to do if you're the Jazz. And that's what you have to do if you're the Nuggets as well. So what about the... What about the approach to how Rudy played Jokic? Um, obviously, Jokic was pretty pretty dominant in the first half, but I I thought Rudy kind of held his own. Like, yeah, he had twenty nine points, but the Jazz held him to three assists. You know, like I like I think I'm a I'm a fan of turning a great distributor who can also score into just a primary score. Like to, to me, it's the Spurs' approach to you know to what they they did against Steve Nash, and I just think that that's. That's the way you have to do it because that takes them out of their comfort zone, uh, even though he could obviously drop 30, 40 every night. But I, I thought Rudy actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, I'd rather Jokic score 30 than have 12 assists. Because if he has 12 assists, that means everybody else is getting involved. Everybody else is comfortable. And if he has 30, that means the ball stuck in his hands. If you're the Jazz, you, you, you want to turn Jokic into a one-on-one player against Rudy Gobert. You know, and he's going to score some because he's too good not to. But at the same time, if he's scoring, then that means Murray isn't going off. That means... You know, Paul Millsap and Michael Porter Jr. aren't going off. So it's one of those things where Denver's too good offensively to shut their water off for 48 minutes. It's just not going to happen. But the Jazz have to figure out ways to get stops when they need stops. And through four games, three games in the regular season and one game in the playoffs, the Jazz haven't been able to do that with the Nuggets they have to figure out how to get stops, how to get consecutive stops when they really need them against this Denver team. What about the support cast for the Jazz in this one? Uh, Morgan came in and he was, you know, he was pretty, he was pretty effective. He played good defense, like he was, he was pretty solid, spaced the floor a little bit. Um, Joe Ingles took twelve threes, Tony. Right? Like we want him to shoot. That's he took what twelve we wanted, threes. Right? Yeah. That's what um, we so that's a good start, but they, they're obviously missing. Uh, bogey they're obviously missing Mike Conley Conley will be back but what did you think of the supporting cast in game one I thought the Jazz did everything that they needed to give themselves a chance to win the game and they had a chance to win the game I thought Jawan Morgan was really good to the point where I'd even play him more minutes in Wednesday's game too I thought that Joe Ingles was really good I thought that Jordan Clarkson was pretty good you know I thought that the Jazz their supporting guys were were good it's gonna look skewed in the box score because Mitchell scored 57 so it's going to look like, you know, Donovan just kind of had to do everything. But I didn't see it that way. I, I thought 
that Donovan had a lot of help in a lot of different ways. The unfortunate thing for the Jazz was that that game, the game went to overtime. Yeah, and they weren't able to win it in regulation. And when they when the game went to overtime, that's when you saw the noticeable fatigue, and that's when you saw the Jazz kind of run out of gas. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about the eight second violation. Um, a lot of Jazz fans were upset by it, but. Look, they, it was the right got, call. It was the right call. They got the ball knocked out of bounds on a rebound that cut it to six. That's on You're, Mitchell, and that's on the team not saying, hey, by the way, you have six seconds to get across. That's that's on your coaches. Yes. There's a coach that says, yo, get it across, get it across. Here's the thing. You know, I just wrote a story about Donovan Mitchell's primary position going forward as an NBA player. It's going to be at the point guard, right? But he's not, you know, a point guard knows, hey, a regular point guard by trade knows, hey, I, I got six seconds to get this ball over. Right. And, and you know, Donovan hasn't played point guard by trade. So it was something that, you know, it was that small, minute detail that kind of eluded him. And obviously it was in, a, in an unfortunate situation. Listen, if the Jazz go down and score on that possession, the game is not over. You know, so I, I saw a lot of Jazz fans that, that were saying, hey, you know, if, if the Jazz score there, the game's over, they're going to win the game. That's not true. Right. If they score there, there's a there's a minute 35 left in a high possession game. That's that's easily three possessions, you know. So, yeah, it would have given them some separation. It, it would have uh, given them a better chance to win, but it, it, it would not have it would not have out and out won the game for them. But obviously, you know, the momentum boost that it gave Denver, which is Jamal Murray comes back, hits a three, cuts the lead from four to one. It was really deflating for the Jazz uh, and really inflating for the Nuggets. I can't believe I'm going to say this or ask this question, Tony, but because we've we've talked about this in different ways throughout the season, especially when there was turmoil with the team. But does Rudy Gobert need the ball more? Because look, the, the ruse is over, Okay, Nikola Jokic is a horrendous defender. He's going to be a horrendous defender when he's fat. He's going to be a horrendous defender when he's skinny. He's not good at it. Like, he's just not. And it's not a It's not a lack of... He's just not... He doesn't put effort in. There was a play in the first quarter where Joe Ingles barely... Like, just a whisper of a crossover. And he blew by him from the three-point line, right? And I then, remember. And, and, <laughs> and then a couple of plays later, Rudy Gobert catches the ball... At around the free throw line, maybe a little above the free throw line, takes two dribbles in. Jokic just lets him go, and he gets an easy layup. Now, I, I'm not saying let's isolate Rudy Gobert, let's put him in the post, but anything on the move in this game is an easy bucket because Jokic has no interest in getting in front of him. That's the thing. You can't just give Rudy Gobert the ball. Right. I agree. That's the whole thing. You know, when people say, yo, we, you got to give Rudy Gobert the ball. How? You basically just have to run, pick, and roll, and when he's open, he's open. That's how you get Rudy Gobert to basketball. And if you run pick and roll and they crash a weak side guy down there, you can't force the ball. You can't force the ball to him. You have to pitch it out to the the opposite wing for the open three-pointer. That's how the offense is supposed to run. It's not Joel Embiid. You can't just come down and just, you know, you can come down and give Joel Embiid the ball on four consecutive possessions. You can't do that with Rudy. You have to run, pick, and roll with him. And when he's open, he's open. When he's open, you give him the ball. And when he's not, his gravity gets somebody else open. I agree, but I also think if he's just hanging around the free throw line, he can take a dribble and get to the basket. Just be like, well, it's, it's, it's that, not a that floater. One dribble, that one dribble that he, that he went by. 
<laughs> that was so funny. Oh my god! Yeah, he takes one dribble. That's not even a move. It's just a dribble towards the basket, and Jokic is like, "Okay, it's go a ahead drill, and lay it up. Tony. It's a warm up drill." <laughs> now, granted, I don't think Rudy was great defensively in that game either, and, and I but I do think a lot of that was the coverage that they were using. You know, again, the drop coverage against Jamal Murray. I Rudy's doing what he's asked to do. I just don't think it was a good idea. Um, but yeah, like Tony, it's a warm up drill. It, you literally would see. You know, I don't know who I can't remember who works Rudy. I don't know if it was if it's Alex Jensen or if it's Johnny. Johnny it's Alex Jensen. If Alex <laughs> Jensen would just give him the ball at the free throw line, take a dribble, and go make a layup. That's what it is. There's no <laughs> resistance. It's a turnstile. Remember last year when the, when Nicole was actually defending? No, no, I don't, Tony. You know why? No, I'm, he was. So, he was no, defending a little bit last year. He Tony, really was. If he was defending last I year, s- they wouldn't have subbed his ass out and in key. Fourth quarter possessions defensively for Mason Plumley. Okay? He, I'm he done was, with this. I'm done with this. Well, the numbers actually show he's they're better defensively with him on the court. Then why do they sub him out? Because they like a challenge? That's not how <laughs> basketball works. You gotta learn to play without Jokic. That's what that's what Malone's telling this <sighs> guy. Here, yeah. <laughs> no, he's a he's a great player, but we I mean defensively, goodness. Like he should have kept the weight on. He should have kept the weight on because now no, people expect he should have kept the weight on. You know why? Because when he kept the when he had the weight on, guess what? He took up space. Right. Like he ate space up. The reason he took the weight off is because he got married. He needed those wedding photos to be fire, and I'm guessing they were. He needs to put the weight back on because <laughs> they were a bet. No, they were a better defensive team because they could squeeze off the wings, and Jokic ate up space. He ate space in the middle. Now with skinny Jokic, there's he's not eating the space. Like he's not. He's no longer as wide as the lane. Yeah, it's just uh, the resistance of a saloon door in the in the Wild West. Like, that's what it is. People just pushing right through. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get to the, the Mike Conley news. Uh, Mike Conley is back in the bubble. Um, he's got a four-day quarantine, Tony. Is that is that? He's got a four-day quarantine. Or, according to my sources, he got back into the bubble on Monday night. Okay. And the hope is, the hope, they're not sure, but the hope is that he can be available for game three. So, okay, so Monday counts as one of the quarantine days, even though he got in Monday that's, night. That's what the Jazz are hoping. He was tested daily while he was home. Uh, he returned all negative tests. Monday counts as one of the quarantines because he was tested on Monday. All right, so getting him back into the mix, like I actually think this could solve a lot of the Jamal Murray issues that they had in game one because... Look, I don't think Mike Conley is the defender he used to be, but Mike is one of the best at navigating screens. Um, it, I think with Mike Conley in, look, he's not big enough to to shut down someone like Jamal Murray, but you're not getting that free separation when Mike Conley gets around screens the way he does if they're going to play drop coverage. So it could actually end up you know, just making that a tighter window for Jamal and putting more pressure on Jamal if they decide to throw him on there. Do you think that he would get the assignment on Murray right away? For sure gets the assignment on Murray right away. And the the other thing with he's got to navigate screens. You know, and the other thing with with Mike Conley is, you know, he takes some of that pressure off of Mitchell. For as good as Donovan was in Monday's game one, he was – just out of gas down the stretch. He had nothing left. And you want him to be at his best down the stretch. Right. And, you know, and part of that was, you know, obviously the game went to overtime. 
you know, I think that that was a letdown for the Jazz in that situation. But, you know, at the same time, I think, um, you know, Conley helps, you know, take a lot of the pick and roll pressure. He helps with the usage. You don't want Donovan having all of that usage. They need Conley back in the fold and back in the lineup. How much do you think it will change Donovan's approach uh, with Conley back in the lineup? And granted, this isn't going to happen until maybe game three. So Donovan could have another uh, another game where he pretty much has free reign. And he had free reign, you know, relatively speaking, against Houston last year in the playoffs. It's just they, they focused everything on him and said, hey, we dare someone else to beat us. Uh, this is not that Houston team, right? Denver cannot defend. They're the worst team defensively in the bubble um, in those eight, eight seeding games. They've been 17th in the league since, uh, since December 1st. So they're, you know, a little below league average in that respect. Um, do you think Donovan's approach changes much with Conley back or maybe the jazz just change the balance of that? Uh, I think the balance changes a little bit. The big thing with, uh, having Conley back is you have somebody to run the first unit and then you have somebody to run the second unit and the jazz won't have to, they won't have to go as deep into their bench. I don't want to name names. Um, They won't have to go as deep into their yeah, bench. You don't want to make anybody moody, eh? Zach. What happened? What happened, Tony? I'm just, I asked you a question. You don't want to make anybody moody, right? Uh, Mike will be able to run the second unit. <laughs> Mike will be able to run the second unit, and it'll be much better in terms of in terms of that. So you'll be able to keep, you know, Donovan as a primary playmaker on the floor for a number of minutes. You'll be able to keep Mike as a primary play, playmaker on the floor for a number of minutes. And you'll be able to to close both halves with both guys on the floor. So it returns the balance to your rotation that you were obviously missing on Monday and that you'll be missing, that the Jazz will be missing on Wednesday as well. Do you think it'll take Conley some time to get back into the rhythm of things? Yeah, I don't, I guess he hasn't had that much time off, but you know, I guess everyone's a little rusty. He's had like three days off. Yeah. I mean, listen, get out of quarantine, get to the game, drop 30, say, hey, man, I was really rusty. I really need a practice day. Get a practice day, come back, drop 30 in game four as well. Wow. Just that that easy. Is it really? I don't know. I'm asking you, dropping 30 left and right. Probably not that easy. It's probably not that. Well, I don't know. This Denver team really doesn't defend. It might be that easy. Is there anybody outside of Murray and Jokic that worries you? Because you know, Jeremy Grant was fantastic off the bench, and Monty Morris was fantastic off the bench. And I, I don't think it's bad if those guys are are scoring points and, and you know taking focus away from, or I guess production away from Murray and, and Jokic. But it, I guess with the Jazz depth issues, it does become somewhat problematic to to balance that out. How good a backup point guard do you think Monte Morris Morris is? I mean, I think he's a top five to 10 backup point guard. In this league. I think he's really good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely think, you know, top five, 10, that's, that's definitely fair. That's the thing. I mean, you, you need somebody that's, that's going to, to be able to match what he does off the bench. You know, he came off the bench and hit some really big shots. Obviously he closed the game. I think he's one of Denver's seven best players. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think you can't really allow him to control tempo, I think. It was a slow game for for Utah and Denver considering the amount of points scored, but I don't think you can like cuz I think I think Morris comes in and he just he's so good at attacking downhill and they got to find some resistance for that. There's been very little resistance anywhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh let's go one more topic. We had some breaking news right as we were about to record uh Shams Charania of the Athletic is reporting that Johnny Bryant, Jazz assistant coach, 
will be the associate head coach under Tom Thibodeau with the New York Knicks, which, Tony, you immediately started stirring the pot. Immediately. You couldn't help yourself. Not only did you mention that Johnny is a fantastic developmental coach, which he is, but you also mentioned he's very close to Donovan Mitchell, who could be available in five years, Tony. If you call that stirring the pot, Oh, you know what you're doing. I call it, hey, this is a loss for the Jazz because, hey, that was Donovan's guy. And here's the thing. I'm going to I'm gonna throw some water on these rumors. Oh. And wait a minute. If I throw water on the room, is, does that mean I'm stoking the rumors or does that mean I'm quashing the rumors? I mean, how many fires do you stoke by dousing it with water, Tony? Okay. All right, listen. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some water. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a Debbie Downer to Knicks fans. Okay, Johnny Bryant was and is one of Gordon Hayward's best friends. Mm. Okay, so when Hayward was with the Jazz, those guys were inseparable. They're still inseparable. They're still very close to this day. Johnny didn't try to influence that one bit. He stayed out of that. Okay. So, I you mean, think, he's you not going to... the Knicks tr- are going to let he, him stay out of that? I don't think he's going to try to influence Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks. What will Donovan sign in the offseason? What contract extension? Does oh, he's he going to max. Five-year? Okay. What's it? Five, yes, 150, whatever. Somewhere right. in that range, right? I can't... I don't know what the exact number Does he is. sign a five-year max or does he sign a three-year max with the player option for a fourth? I mean, I think it's smart for players to go with three... And then an option for the fourth. I would I would always keep that flexibility open. But at the same time, with the way the financial situation is with the league and everything, you might want that five-year security. You don't know what it's going to be in a, in a few years. You don't know what it's going to be in a few years. So let's say Donovan signs the shorter max. Let's say he signs a three with uh, an option for the fourth. Okay? The max doesn't go in until after next year. So we're looking at Four years minimum <laughs> before Donovan's a an unrestricted free agent. That's minimum. Are they hiring Johnny Bryant for for four years down the road? Yes. Okay. Then the answer is probably yes. But <laughs> is this is this something is this something that that Jazz fans should worry themselves about like right now? Uh, no, 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 no. Because if you take care of business now in the next couple of years, you shouldn't have to worry about that. I know that didn't work out that way with Gordon Hayward, but I feel like it's a different relationship here. Yeah, I think it's a different relationship. And I think if the Jazz do the right things within that realm of four years, they can give themselves a chance at a title. Yeah, they have two very good components. Um, They've got a, a third guy who obviously isn't there now in Bogdanovich, but the third guy who can really put up some points. Like, they, they just need depth. I mean, that's what this this season and this series is showing the most, is that right. man, that, that depth is so bad. And that's on Dennis Lindsay to, to improve that. I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of my Donovan Mitchell should be a point guard story? I, I agree. Like, I think if you have a high-volume dude who can handle the ball and, his, and you're putting him in pick-and-rolls constantly anyway and you can isolate with them, I like, it's the James Harden thing, right? I'm not saying it's going to be James Harden, but James Harden, Devin Booker, all those guys, like, I think you should have the ball in their hands as much as possible. I don't think you need this traditional, like, we play positionless basketball for the most part anyway, right? I think right. you got you got to put the ball in your best player's hands constantly. And, and especially your best offensive player. And that, I mean, for me, like, I would have Donovan with three big wings and Rudy Gobert. That would be my right. goal. Three big wings and Rudy Gobert, guys who can hit threes, you know, attack off the catch and defend. 
and and that should be the structure of the team. Mike Conley's a really nice player, and he's going to help. But that, that but like that's not the Toronto's right build. Doing? Yeah, sort of, sort of. I mean, you know, they do have they have Fred Van Vliet and they have Kyle Lowry in that backcourt together. But that's more out of necessity right now. But then they also have Pascal, OG, OG, yeah. and and Norm Powell coming off the bench. Yeah, I mean, they got a bunch of dudes. Yeah, they just got a bunch of dudes. By the way, Toronto's my pick to win the NBA championship. I'm just wow! I picked them to go to the finals. I picked them to go to the finals against the Lakers, and I'm picking them to beat the Lakers. I had the Lakers over them, which is weird because I still think the Clippers are the best team. I think the Clippers are the best team. I think the Lakers are going to beat them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just think that's the that's the way this season is destined to be: is LeBron getting this title, and then we don't know how to discuss <laughs> it. My dog agrees. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, Tony. Prediction for Game Two: Who wins? Um, I'm going Denver. Ooh. This is not me trying to curry favor with Jazz fans. I will pick Utah to even up the series 1-1. I think the every other day element is really hurtful to the Jazz right now. Yeah. Uh, with Without the depth. I think the Jazz lose on Wednesday, and I think they get back into the series this weekend with Conley. Yeah, I think it's going to be 2-2 after four games. I think it's going to be 2-2 after four games. Yeah. By the way, what's going on in, in Orlando right now? The NBA bubble. Uh, I understand that, but what's going I want to say what's going on in Milwaukee. Oh, with the, with the Bucks Magic game? Yeah, Brooke Lopez is like kicking chairs and stuff. Look, man, this is the issue with the Bucks. They give up a lot of three-point looks and a lot of open three-point looks. And for the most part during the regular season, like it doesn't hurt them. But it hurt them against the Raptors last year. It's why the Heat aren't afraid of them. It's why the Raptors aren't afraid of them. And Orlando is just going to shoot these threes and see what happens. This best defense in the league thing is fool's goal with them. That doesn't mean they're not a good defense, but... You can game plan for this Bucks team. It's weird that they were as dominant as they are and nobody in the league is afraid of them, right? Yeah. That's weird. Also, what Brook Lopez tried to stomp the chair at first and then he kicked it. That's just not good decision making. You got to kick it first. What did he think was going to happen there? You know the Lopez brothers, man. You know they do eccentric stuff. Do you think Robin felt that? I don't understand how twins work. I wonder if Robin did feel that. Yeah, I feel like maybe his heel, you know, got a little twinge there. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but he's upset. And by the time you hear this podcast, maybe Orlando won game one. Who knows? No way. By the time we hear this podcast, Milwaukee will have had its patented third quarter and be up 10 heading into the fourth. I will say this. About 25 minutes ago, the Bucks tweeted, warming up. And the first five replies are, get it together, guys. Play like a one seed, please. Disappointing. Looks terrible. Play better. And maybe a new coach again, dot, dot, dot. So Bucks fans are locked <laughs> into this playoffs, and Jazz fans will be too. Thanks for listening to Game Notes. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review on any podcast platform that you use. Uh, if you're on The Athletic, go ahead and use that comment section. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, let us know how much you hate Tony's prediction of Denver winning Game 2 and going up with a commanding Woo! 2-0 lead. Let's um, go. Yeah, there you go. And uh, make sure you check out all of Tony's great jazz coverage on The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com and subscribe. If you're not a subscriber for Tony Jones, I'm Zach Harper. This has been Game Notes on The Athletic Podcast Network.